1: I
2: It's great to be here this morning. Good good to be back in front of you and, and, and able to speak and able to, able to share with you this morning. Before I really get into what I'm going to talk about this morning, I've got a couple of housekeeping things I'm going to take care of real quick. Uh, first thing, thank you. As most of you might know, back about the first of May, I had a pretty massive back surgery done, okay? In this surgery, that was supposed to take two and a half, three hours long. I ended up taking six and a half hours, and I lost over half the blood in my body in the process. So, in other words, things were going south pretty fast in this deal, okay? And I think what stopped that and turned it around and has made the recovery so quick, in my eyes, in my mind, is number one, Jesus, and number two, all the prayers that were going on by the body of Christ, the people in the church. And so I heartfeltly want to tell you thank you. For all your prayers number two kind of have a cool announcement to make um i think it's cool i think it's pretty pretty well it might even be miraculous to be honest with you um this tuesday karen and i celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary so uh thank you like i said that might be more miraculous than cool you know um how she's put up with me this long i don't know you know she was here last night at the service whenever i did this and and i told her then that um you know she's still the love of my life and uh she's as beautiful today as she was the day that i married her and uh you know through the years you go through a lot of things and and you share a lot of things together and um uh, I said last night, about a week ago, we week and a half, something like that, I had to go back to the doctor for a checkup on the back thing and so forth, and she went with me, and we're sitting in there, and the doctor's going over the x-rays and everything. He said, yep, this looks good, this is perfect, see this right here, da-da, and on and on and on. He, and he's you know, because they had to cut me open on the front here, too. And he said, now, how's the front doing, the healing? I said, well, that's been the hard, hardest out of the whole deal. You know, I said, it's getting better. It's doing better. And he said, well, someone will tell you something. He said, you probably don't want to hear this, but he said, something that will help that and speed that up is if you were to lose about 10 or 15 pounds. And that's all she heard out of the whole entire visit. So since we've been home, here comes the keto stuff again, blah, you know, on and on. So anyway, but I love her anyway. And so, you know, I, I laugh and every spouse is sitting there. Yeah, I know. I hear that. We've been there, you know. So but I love her to death and, and uh, I'm excited that, that we, you know, actually have stuck it out. It's kind of cool whether it's a one year anniversary or whether it's a 50. I mean, it takes work. And any anybody that's in a marriage realizes that. It doesn't just, boom, happen, and it's easy. It takes work. It really does. And keep that in mind. So get on to what I'm going to talk about today. And, uh, you know, for those of you that were here last, I believe it was March the last time I got I did one of these, uh, I, I talked about rejuvenating a, a family tradition, okay? And I'm going to continue that tradition today, you know. And so to begin with, before we really get into it, Stand, if you're able to, and let's make a joyous noise together. Now then, we've done this before. Those of you who have done it with me, you know what, where we're headed. You know what we're going to do. But those that haven't, you'll catch on quick. This, isn't, this doesn't take rocket science to figure this deal out, okay? It's simple. Repeat after me. Today, I will be bright, will be bright cheerful, cheerful and, happy. and happy, streams of power, God's power, Flow through, veins, flow through my veins, and all will, well. all will be well. Okay, now like you mean it, today, today I, will be bright, I will be bright, cheerful, cheerful and, happy. and happy. Streams of God's power, of
1: God's
2: power flow, through veins, flow through my veins, and all will be well. Will be okay, bright. now like you really mean it, today, today I, will be bright, I, will be bright, I will be bright, cheerful, cheerful and happy. And and happy.
1: Streams of, of God's power flow through my veins, through my veins. and all, and will, all be well. will
2: be well. All right, give yourselves a hand. Perfect, that's great. It's nothing like getting excited about Jesus, is it? I mean, I mean, he's he's a go-getter. He's, he's one that got up and went and and did things. You know, I'm gonna talk today a little bit about labels. You know, and we, we hear labels all the time, and are labels good or are they bad? Well, we're going to visit about that just a little bit. But everyone here notices as you come in, in town on the four lane, coming or going, our beautiful sign, huh? And what's it say? Home of what? 17,000 friendly people. And what? Three or four old grouches. And as soon as everyone says that, they have the three or four pictured in your head, don't you? You know exactly who they are, you know exactly where they're from, and everything about them, don't you? You know, at least whenever I said that, you know, there was kind of a little bit of, you know, some of this. At least at least I didn't see any spices just flat out go. Okay? We, I didn't see that from up here. That's good, you know. A few nudges a little bit. But, you know, I think there's a label, isn't it? A grouch. Okay. I have to laugh. He's not here today, and I asked him earlier this week if he was going to be here Sunday. He said, no, I said, good, I'm going to throw you under the bus. Okay? And that's Gary Whited. Everybody in here knows him. And Gary and I are good friends. And I was down at his his station there one day, and we were jawing back and forth at each other, just harassing each other. And Kaylee, my daughter, was there with us. And she finally stopped and said, you know, it's a good thing the sign out there doesn't say five or six, because you two would definitely make the list. Okay? And so I'm like, thanks, darling. I love you too, you know. But what kind of labels do you carry? What kind of labels do you have? Hmm. Is there labels in the Bible? Do people get labeled in there? I think they do. Let's say, what about Judas? Whenever you think of Judas, what do you think of? A betrayer, don't you? There's a label. But before he betrayed, what was he? He was a disciple, wasn't he? He, went, he was one of the dudes. He was one of the main ones, one of the twelve, wasn't he? He traveled. He taught. He did everything with Jesus. But what do we remember him from? Which label? Do we remember the disciple or do we remember the betrayer? Hmm. What about Peter? Peter's another one that's what? A disciple, wasn't he? Okay. Peter also did what? He denied, didn't he? But yet Peter went on after that and continued on after, after Jesus had, had left. And what did he do? He taught, didn't he? He was a teacher. And he was the first disciple that actually healed. He healed a crippled man and got him to walk again. So which label do we put around Peter? Do we put disciple? Do we put healer? Do we put denier? Do we put teacher? You know what I think? I think we take them all. All those labels all describe that man. Just like think of yourself. Like I'm thinking of myself. What labels do I have? Farmer. Father. Husband. Drunk. Alcoholic. All those labels are me. Plus many, many more. But you know what? What if we take the label for me, for example, what if I took the label, the drunk and the alcoholic? And what if I have dwelled on that that label and just dwelled on it and stayed there? You know what? I'd probably still be there. But instead, Jesus reached into my life and basically put that label to rest. OK, and started giving me new labels. So what I'm encouraging you today is basically let's not dwell on the negative labels that we have. Because we all have them. Let's be real. Let's be honest with each other. You have negative labels that go with you, whether you like it or not. But let's take the good labels. And there's one good label that I do carry, and I love it. I'll stand up here and holler it as loud as I can holler. Or I'll go out on the street and holler it as well. And that's a label of Christian. And I think it's the most awesome label that we, any one of us in this room could carry and could have. And I think we need to tell everyone that we are that an outstanding Christian. You know, you go to the grave, you know, over here to the graveyard and, and uh, you know, all the headstones and they'll have different sayings on them, don't they? You know, about different people and so forth. And I've always said that, you know, on my headstone, the most perfect thing you can put on there is Christian. Plain and simple. Because I think everything else comes down underneath it. But as I aspire to get one last label in my lifetime, and I really, I hope and I pray that I can achieve this. And that is that when my day comes and I stand before the Lord in judgment. That he simply says, job well done, good and faithful Servant. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to you this morning, oh, we praise you and we thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you give us. We thank you for, for the health and for the rain that you've sent, Father, and for the rain that you're going to send. Father, I ask that you help us with these labels, that you not let us dwell on those negative labels, that you help us stay on the positive, that you show us the light. You show us the positive labels, the good things that we do, Father, and make those shine. Father, we thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that you made, that you died on the cross for us, that your blood washed away our sins. As we go forth this week, Father, I ask that you give us the knowledge, you give us the wisdom and the guidance that we need to do the work that you want done in the way that you want it done. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
0: My uh, driving is well-documented. I am not the world's best driver. It's actually a miracle that Marie even lets me drive her vehicle anywhere. So it was interesting. We were on the road to Hana. We were on the island of Maui, and we went down uh, the, the road there. And, and there are, like, how many, how many curves? 622 is what she's saying. There were 622 curves in the road to Hana. You may have to take down my low end a little bit because it sounds like it's rumbling somewhere. Unless that's a really loud car, I'm not sure. So here we were on the road to Hana, 622 curves. There's like 40-something single-lane bridges. And so single-lane bridges could be from here to my beautiful wife. They could also be around the bend of a mountain. So think El Porvenir for a really, really, really long time, okay? So it's a little white-knuckle driving because you have to be patient with the other person, and and you've got to know when somebody else is coming because there's not enough room for two cars there. And so there's a lot of beautiful things on the road to Hana, but it's a little nerve-wracking getting there. Well, my beautiful wife read in the book. She did all of this research, and I'm kind of a, uh, you know, that's her forte, and I'm along for the ride. So she read about this place called Nahiku. Now, Nahiku, it is said, is, is the closest thing to heaven on earth. It's absolutely gorgeous, beautiful. The only thing is, to get there is a single lane road. I'm not talking single lane, one for each vehicle. I'm talking one road going in and out of Nahiku, down the mountain, and you can't see anything. If somebody's coming up, coming to meet you, you'll probably meet them about halfway and have no way to turn around, to get around them again. So I forgot to mention that I get car sick, right? So being car sick means I get to drive. I have to drive. It's the safest place. So anyway, here we go. And so we're on the road to Hana. It's already kind of freaking me out a little bit. And Marie says, turn left. And I say, yes, dear. She didn't tell me anything about this single lane road as so though I'm starting down the single lane road and I'm not really 100 percent sure what is coming next. But I figured out pretty quickly I have no way to get around a person if they're coming up to meet me. And, and so I start slowing down a little bit around the curves because I don't know what's on the other side of the bend. And, and I'm worried. Um, I'm getting scared. I'm, I'm nervous about what is in our future. And I wonder, just wonder, Marie and I were talking and she said, I wonder if Jesus just gives us enough of the plan. So when we here turn left, we just say, yes, Lord. And we go, because if if we didn't know a lot of the plan, then then maybe that would stop us from getting too freaked out along the way. And so here I am. And, 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 you know, fear of failure on on the road, on our journey, fear of it's not going to turn out the way I think it should fear of I'm not really sure what's coming next. We're bracing ourselves for the circumstance. Right. We don't know what's in our future. But we get to the end of the journey and we park the car and we walk down to this cove. And the book was right. And this picture does not do it justice. And it was just us two on the cove in Hawaii. And God is so good. And sometimes we take His blessings for granted. We don't mean to, but we just, we don't see them. What is hidden from your view today? What are you missing about how God is working in your lives? Welcome online on the radio. We are in our Streams in the Desert Summer Sermon series. I'm getting much better at saying that now. And this quote from last week, God loves us too much to see us return to our Egypt. He doesn't want to see us go back there. You heard Mike talk about labels. And so we're, we're not who we used to be, right? And that's the whole idea. We're, we're moving toward God and away from who we were. And this is a long obedience, a long walk of obedience In the same direction, in the direction of our Heavenly Father. And there are days when we are a super Christian sticker and a cookie, right? And then there are days when we are an absolute dumpster fire. And we don't know how we're going to continue. But God is good and he is working in ways that we can't even see. So let's get into the scripture today. Genesis 21 is where we're going to be. We are going to continue with the story of Hagar. And so we were in chapter 16 last week. We're in chapter 21 this week. If you'll please turn with me and we'll start reading at verse 14 this morning. So here we go. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, Let me not look On the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy, and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him. Into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So Let's get some backstory today. Uh, We may need a recap for the recap, so settle in, all right? I hope you're ready. Sarai uh, concocts a plan to give Hagar, her servant, to her husband, Abram, to continue his line. I know, it's already crazy, stay with me. Hagar conceives and looks upon her mistress, Sarai, with contempt, and flees into the wilderness because of harsh treatment from Sarai. So she meets a stranger near a well. This was our sermon for last week, Genesis chapter 16, who says her name and he asks her two very important questions. Do we remember those questions today? Where have you come from? Right. And where are you going? Those are two very important questions that the Lord is asking us even today. Where have you come from? What is in your past? You know what? I've reclaimed that for your future. Where are you going? Where are you headed and this is what he says at the end of their meeting. He is a stranger no longer. He is Elroy. He is the God who sees me. We sang about that earlier. She says, "I have truly seen the one who looks after me. He's been there the entire time. In Genesis chapter seventeen, we see a covenant created by God with Abraham, I will make you father of a multitude of nations. His name is changed here from Abram to Abraham, which means father of multitudes, Sarai to Sarah, which means princess. Abraham is about a hundred when Isaac is born. And so he throws a huge party when Isaac is weaned. This is about three years of age. Ishmael then would have been a teenager, according to scripture, about 17. And he has made a mom angry. Can you imagine that? A teenage boy making a mom angry. Has that ever happened? Yes, it has. Probably today, actually. Anywho, this is where we are. And, and, and so what happens is Ishmael is, is playing with Isaac. Or you could read the Hebrew as mocking Isaac, making fun of Isaac. I don't know if this is the root of the problem as much as it is this. Sarah says nothing will come between her son and his birthright. Absolutely nothing. Most definitely not an Egyptian slave and her son. So we do we see the Lord even when our circumstances remain unchanged? I, I mean, Hagar goes back to the promised land, right? But, but maybe that land isn't necessarily filled with a lot of promise for her. There was still relationship. There was still tension in the air. She's been there for years, right? But life can be hard. We may walk in the goodness of God, but that doesn't change the fact that sometimes life is difficult, isn't it? Maybe you get a promise from God. Maybe, maybe you have a, a fresh reading from His Word. Maybe God is doing some incredible things inside you. Problem is, the world kind of stays the same. And you came back from the mission trip, or you came up off the mountain, or you came out of your Bible reading, and and the rest of the world hasn't changed. Intentions run high in our world and in theirs because up until this point Ishmael was the heir you realize that right Isaac wasn't around only the promise of a son and Abraham had the son he may have felt a little entitled Sarah may have felt a little envious And they may have said this, things don't always work out the way we thought they would. That's an understatement for this year, isn't it? How many things actually worked out the way you thought they would this year? Anything? Anything at all? Like, did you see yourself right where you are now a year ago? Is this where you thought you would be? Things don't work out the way we think they will. And so we sing. I'm going to see a victory because the battle belongs to you, Lord. And we come to church and we encourage one another with the gospel, with the good news of that. And we and we walk alongside one another, sometimes holding each other up in the difficult times. And we sing together as one voice. Because we proclaim the victory of our Lord. Even when our circumstances remain unchanged. Because it's the second verse, the same of the first. Sarah comes to Abraham and she says, do something, right? You're going to have to do something. And Sarah probably says something like this. Look, I asked you to do something before, but let's be honest. You did nothing, right? You did nothing, Abraham. All you did was just pass it off on me. And so I had to be the bad guy. Guess what? I don't mind doing it, Sarah says. But you have to take care of this. And this is the reason why. When Abraham sends them off into the desert, he is severing the legal rights that that Ishmael and Hagar have to the lineage. This is what he's doing. And it displeases him. It says he is displeased because of his son. And, and you may think, well, that means Isaac, right? I mean, that's the heir. No, most likely it was Ishmael. This may be the last time he sees Ishmael. And I'm a dad, and there are many dads out there. A lot can happen in 13 years, can't it? And you don't want to just give a son away. There are a lot of memories, a lot of moments made. And so Abraham is hurting. And God says, Send them away. Do as Sarah says, not because she's your wife, but because Isaac, and Isaac alone is the one with the line for offspring for multitudes of nations. And so Abraham gets food and water for the journey, probably about a week's worth. He puts the water sack on Hagar's shoulder. I know it says in some translations and some commentaries that um, it almost means that he puts the child on the shoulder as well. This is not in tune with how old we know him to be. I don't know about you, but Caden will not fit on my shoulder. So more accurately, what the Hebrew is saying is, I'm putting the sack of water on your shoulder and I'm entrusting Ishmael, to you, I am sending him with you out into the wilderness. And the reason why Abraham did this is because God said he would protect them. God said he would care for them. And Abraham believed it. You see, even in the desert, we must rest in the promises of God. And the desert is just as much his country as anywhere else. We are as safe in the desert under the Lord's care as we are anywhere else. Ask anybody that has been to Egypt, that has been wandering and fumbling around in the desert. And, and if you ask them and they were completely honest with you, they would say, yeah, you know what? I, I saw the God. I saw the Lord's hand. I I didn't necessarily hear his voice, but. There are things in my life that happened. I, I didn't see what was coming around the mountain, but I believed in the hope and the future that was down there. That I that I couldn't wrap my head around. So it seemed like they had been walking for days. They were wandering. To be honest, they were lost. And the water was not the only thing running low. Their spirits were absolutely crushed. Because Hagar and Ishmael came to a realization. They would not make it out of the desert alive. But Ishmael is 17. I mean, that's what you just said, right? I mean, 17-year-old boys are strong. I mean, Kaden's 16. It's my frame of reference there. He's a strong guy. I figured that he could last quite a while in the desert. But Ishmael was Abraham's son at this point. Ishmael was not Abraham's slave. Ishmael was not the one that had to do any of the work. Ishmael lived in the tents of Abraham. He had all the things that that a son would have. He was surrounded by, by help. He was surrounded by anything he needed at a moment's notice. Well, then a mother would do anything for her son, right? I think about Marie and our two boys. She would. She would sacrifice anything. And I bet Hagar did. I bet as the the water started to run out, she made a decision. And she started drinking less and less. And she started giving Ishmael more and more. Ishmael didn't really notice this. He was thankful for the sustenance. And so they continued their walking in the desert, their journey. And at some point, the water ran dry. And at this point, Hagar made a decision. So she helped Ishmael, who was weary, hurting, overcome. She helped Ishmael to a shrub for some shade. Set him down there, made him as comfortable as he could. Because this is the last place he would be. And scripture says she, she wondered about a bow shot away. And sometimes in the Bible they have these uh, measurements that I don't quite get. So I kind of wanted a frame of reference like, what's a bow shot? The the guard towers at the Great Wall of China are said to be two bow shots apart, 150 yards. So 75 yards. So she she sets her son down to die. And she fumbles and wanders 75 yards away until she couldn't see him. She couldn't bear it. There was nothing to be done. She's thinking, I did all I could. I did all I could. I can't do anything else. And she lifted up her voice and she wept. And maybe, just maybe, she said, Elroy, do you still see me? I don't know if I necessarily deserve it. After all, I I guess I am just an Egyptian slave. I I guess I am the label that everybody's given me. I, I guess I'm not really worthy of of you even reaching out to me. And I know I heard it once before, but twice, I mean, my goodness, I don't deserve that. Do you still see me? Is this your question today? Maybe he's faithful, but but things have changed, right? You heard a promise, but there doesn't seem to be much of a future. It seems like that promise has been derailed. What you thought was going to happen is not happening. So what in the world are we supposed to do with that? And we reach out. And it may have been years, but we still say, Elroy, do you still see me? Do you still know my name? And Scripture says, And God heard the voice of the boy. doesn't say heard the voice of Hagar. Heard the voice of the boy. What did the boy say? Maybe it was nothing but weeping. Maybe it was... It wasn't supposed to end this way. I mean, really, Ishmael did nothing wrong, right? He was born into this household. He didn't have anything to say about it. And here he was enjoying the the perks of what a son looked like of Abraham. And then all of a sudden, sever the lingual rights, throw us into the desert. We're going to die out here. I had nothing to do with this. I had no control over my situation. Maybe it was just crying out for his mother. You may not be able to see somebody from 75 yards away, but I guarantee you can hear them. And she sat under the tree as Ishmael cried out, Ishmael, what's in a name? Interesting that Ishmael means God hears. What is hidden from your view today? The fact that God hears you? The fact that God meets you right where you are? The fact that God is working in your heart, in your circumstances, even now, even though you don't see it? And the angel of the Lord says, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not. Get up. Lift your son and and hold him fast. Don't let him go. I'm going to make him into a great nation. And and the promise from so long ago comes flooding back to her. and, And she tries to find the strength to stand. My son and I will get out of this desert. I can do this on my own. And I love what verse 19 says. God opened her eyes. And she saw a well of water. He is near. God is near. And and may our eyes be open to the idea that he never left. Now this is not some magic trick where where God magically made a, a well appear. He can do that. I mean, he's God. This well was there for hundreds of years. She just missed it. How many times do we walk through the world? How many times do we travel this mountain, this journey, wondering about what comes next instead of looking for God to sustain us? The living well was there the entire time. You've been trying to fill your lives with things that will not sustain you. The food will run out. The water in the sack will run out, but God is near, and he will not leave you. God not only comforts with a promise here, but he provides for her immediate needs. God is good like that. I love what Laurel read um, earlier in worship, 2 Corinthians one 2 Corinthians one twenty says, All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. Yes and amen. The complete fulfillment. So then what is hidden from us often when we're staring at our circumstances is this. Jesus does not merely come to save us and leave us alone. This is a broken soundtrack. This is a lie. That the devil will try to tell you the devil will try to say, you know what? God came to save you a long time ago. After that, you're on your own until heaven happens, right? It's up to you to make things work out. You're going to have to take it by the reins and you're going to have to try to figure it out on your own. Because guess what? Jesus is busy. He doesn't have time for you. And this is the lie we believe. We try to do it all on our own, and he is hidden from our view. But when God opens our eyes and we begin to walk in that promise, we begin to walk in that strength, in that joy, knowing that we don't do this alone. Man, that is powerful. But, but it still doesn't change the fact that tensions ran high, that life is difficult, that, that it's really easy to say something like what I'm saying when things are going well, Right? And there's a reason why there's tension in our lives. There's a reason why there's are tension in Abraham's household, and that reason is people. I mean, was Hagar prideful? Yeah. Because Ishmael, up until that point, was the only heir. Was Sarah envious? Sure. God had changed her name, but she still didn't have a son. Are you waiting on a victory? Do you Do you look down on others because they look different than you? Are you broken in the wilderness? Guess what? Welcome to the club. We're all broken and busted. And he cares for you as much as he cares for them. The Lord is saying today, I care about you as much as I care about them, as much as I care about the people that don't know me, as much as I care about the people who, who, who are angry against you, who hold grudges against you, as much as I care about you, as much as I care about the people who are different than you, who don't agree with you. So if he cares for them, why did he send them away? At the beginning of the story, we see uh, Sarai and Abram taking matters into their own hands. They've concocted this plan, right? Hagar produces an heir, and Ishmael could continue the line. This is how it could work. I mean, we've solved the problem on our own. This is what they're thinking. We don't need God at all. But here's the thing about God. God's plans are often fulfilled in ways we would have never expected. And as the team comes back up, there's just a couple more things I want to share with you. Sarah was barren, and and let's be honest, she was too old to have a baby. There, I said it. There's no chance, none, that Abraham will have an heir through Sarah, much less a multitude. This will not happen. So the covenant must go through Isaac because... That's the only way that God is glorified. That's the only way that God is the only one that could work in that position. God is the only way that could make that difference, make that happen. But Ishmael was not forgotten. Verse 20 says, and God was with the boy. And we've heard it said from his line, Arab nation, the Muslims, the Middle East, And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he wants to bring them to him as much as he wants you to come to him today. There's just one more verse I want to look at. What is hidden from us today? And it's in chapter 25. Chapter 25, verse 9. Abraham's 175 years old, and he dies. Verse 9 says this simply, Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah. Isaac and Ishmael together. They couldn't be more different. But here in this space, they're seen as equals. And I can't get past verse 11. It's insignificant, it was hidden from me. It resonated so deeply with me, though. Verse 11 says, After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son. And Isaac settled at Beer the Hydroi. That sounds familiar. The well of the living water that will never run dry. The same place where Hagar met a stranger who became El Roy. As we finish today, where will you settle? Will you settle in the land of grudges? Or will you settle in the land of letting go? Will you settle in the land of harsh words and judgment? Or will you settle in the land of encouragement? in life? Will you you settle in focusing on the circumstances and all the things that could go wrong? Lord knows I've spent way too much time there. Or will you settle in the land where you know at the end of the journey there's a beautiful place awaiting for you. But until that point, God is with you every step of the way. I encourage you to drink from the well that never runs dry today. He is near. Will you stand with us as we sing, as we believe that we will see a victory because the battle belongs to the Lord. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.